Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from John 15, 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of our Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you all. If our theme today is going to be joy, I thought maybe we would begin by having some fun. Can we do that? For those who grew up in cheesy youth ministry, this might be a little bit reminiscent of your growing up days, but just flatter me. Would everyone please stand up here? Go ahead and stand up. If you know me, you know my favorite Christmas movie is the movie Elf, and I am not alone, right? So I thought maybe we would have a little Elf trivia. How does that sound? Okay, so if you get the answer right, remain standing. If you get it wrong, you have to sit down, okay? And we're playing for a gift, everybody. We're playing for a gift. Okay, so first question is, where did Buddy's paternal dad work? Name the place, not the city, but the place where his paternal father worked. Internalize it. Oh, we have people already sitting down. All right, what's, what's the answer? The answer is the Empire State Building, right? Of course. Of course, y'all. Do you not know this? I am so saddened by how many people have sat down on that. That was my softball question. Okay, next one. Who is about to emerge from the pond right here? Was that out of order? Was that an easier one than the other? My bad, my bad. You guys know the answer? Okay, here we go. Mr. Norwall, right? Okay, next question. What was the name that Buddy said was fun to say? If you remember that, he's walking through the office. There's a name that's fun to say. Okay. Okay, and the name is? Francisco. Francisco. We got a couple of people down on that one. Okay. I'm going to skip a couple because you guys are already so good at this. Um, what did Buddy say after his epically long burp? After his epically long burp, he said, did you hear that? Okay. All right. After this, um, okay, I'm going to skip ahead because we're already down to, we have uh, Dawn help me with these questions, so she has to sit down. Sorry, Dawn. (laughs) Pastor's kid. Are we down to three? Okay, y'all come up. Y'all come up. Yeah, yeah, y'all come up. Okay. I'm going to skip ahead to one of the more difficult ones. Okay, and you guys have to write your answers, okay? Because I don't trust you. I have trust issues, I guess. Here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. Okay, let's see here. Oh, these are good. Um, I'm going to ask the question, Buddy got his name because the elves saw it somewhere. Where Where did they see the name Buddy? Everybody has their answer? And the answer is diaper, right? Golly, they nailed it. They nailed it. 
Okay, we're going to skip ahead because you guys are really, really good. What is the name of the store which Buddy works? Not the uh, North Pole store, but the other store where he works. Right, big, big letters, if you could, please. You're down? You don't? Let's see the answer. Is Gimbals, we have a winner. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. There's one thing I know about you guys is you need more Yeti product. Here's Yeti and some puppy chow that I, I, I ate a little bit on the way to church. So you can have the rest. There you go. Oh, I was really excited about other questions. Let's, you guys want to hear a couple of the final ones? Okay, uh, what was the name of this character? It's not Zoe Deschanel, but her character's name. Does anyone know? Joe V is correct. Oh, it says in our name tag. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did Buddy say the fake Santa smelled like? Beef and cheese, correct. What is this elf's name? Anyone know? What's that? Ming Ming is correct. Correct answer, Ming Ming. Little bitty trivia is do you know who this person is also? Next slide. Yeah. Ooh. And I thought for sure this would get some people. What, what is Buddy's favorite? Smiling. His favorite is smiling. That's right. I want to know, why do we love this movie so much? I think it's not only the genius of Will Ferrell, uh, but this movie is also, for me, it's about the power of joy. This unstoppable character is one of full joy. Usually the main character of the story is like this protagonist who you see the story and the plot line change and transform as they go. If Like most of the times they become a fuller person, a better person, or if it's tragedy, they fall apart. But if you notice in the movie Elf, he doesn't change that much. Instead, he's like this catalyst that walks around and transforms everyone else, changes everyone else. Buddy the Elf is this like this, this bomb of joy that is released in people's lives. And what is so transformative about him? It's his joy. It's his joy, his childlike, unadulterated, relentless joy. It cracks open people. It moves them towards openness. We see this with Jovi. She starts off with this guarded character that works in this department store, and all of a sudden, because of of Buddy, she becomes this more open character, has the courage to sing again. We see this with his younger brother, Michael, who begins with just this jaded posture towards the world because mostly of an absentee father, and because of Buddy's life, he is moved into this place of delight. A fragmented family becomes a home. We even find a gross and scary basement turn into a dance party, right? Because joy is a powerful thing. We're in a sermon series called God With Us. We're in this series because we, we want to look at how Jesus was completely and fully human and what that means for us, that Jesus did not merely become uh, human to make some transactional thing to be able to save us from our sins, but also Jesus came to us as human to show us what it means to be human. And as we've walked through this series, what we have found is um, oftentimes we find a lot of healing in Jesus' solidarity, that the experiences that we encounter through the human journey that we are going through, Jesus is with us. And if you know Enneagram, you know I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 7. And so I have noticed that a lot of our devotionals have been about 
uh, how Jesus has been needy, that he's been grieved and forgotten and isolated. And then Enneagram 7 would also say, yeah, but he was also a person of joy, like true joy. There's a positive side of being human. Yes, Jesus was a man of sorrow, and I'm so grateful for that, for the healing in my own wounds and my own uh, sense of loss that I've had in my own life. I find a lot of healing in that solidarity, but Jesus was also a person of great joy. My friend Patty once told me this story. 24 years ago, Patty lost her husband unexpectedly. He died um, without much, uh, without much uh, advance notice. He just uh, passed away. And she found herself half a, half a year later at a retreat center. She was invited there by some friends, and she went into this retreat heavy-hearted, deeply wounded, and a lot of hurts because she was still in mourning. But something uh, happened on that retreat center. On the wall of the meeting room was this picture of Jesus that you likely have seen. Go ahead and show it. <laughs> it's not the best piece of art, right? Like, this is not like one that, like, we probably have this framed in, in our homes. But for Patty, it did something for her because it disrupted her view, view of who Jesus is, simply because Jesus laughed. It gave a picture of Jesus who wasn't removed and distant, who wasn't other, but Jesus was truly a person like you and me who had a sense of humor who had a particular laugh. And as Patty sat there with her mourning and her sorrow, she was confronted by this picture of Jesus who not only wanted to meet her with her loss and with her sorrow, also not a picture of God who's stoic and distant from her experience, but one that was with her and that was inviting her to know what it means to laugh once again. Does your view of Jesus include joy and laughter and delight? Most of the artwork that we have and we see about Jesus has a very different picture of who Jesus is. Jesus is despondent. He's usually frail and stoic and oddly very Scandinavian. <laughs> very Scandinavian with a great head of hair and or we see Christ, I mean, he's just kind of absent, absent of any emotion. Or we have Christ as perpetually stern, maybe eyebrows lowered, too focused on important matters to let out a belly laugh. Yet, if our view of Jesus does not conjure a picture of joy as well, I want you to, to be introduced to Jesus all over again. I want you to be reintroduced to Jesus because I believe Jesus was the most joy-filled person ever to live the most joy-filled person ever to walk this earth. Why can I say that? It's because that no one lived in tune with the Holy Spirit more than Jesus. No one walked with the Spirit. No one depended upon the Spirit more than Jesus. And what we know from our scripture is that a primary fruit or a byproduct of knowing and connecting with the Spirit, a primary fruit comes from that is the fruit of joy. Joy. And if Jesus experienced the Spirit more than anyone else, we could easily surmise that no one else has fully tasted what joy looks like here in this world more than our Savior. It reverberated in his soul. It fueled him. It was not only something that he internalized, but it was also something that was contagious. I believe 
that Jesus' joy was something that gathered the crowds together, not only the spectacles of miracle and the power of teaching, but he was someone that people wanted to be around because of his deep and abiding joy. And like Buddy the Elf, times 20, that kind of joy changed everyone. It happened right away, even at Jesus' birth, before he... Even when Mary was holding Jesus, she interacted with her, uh, her relative, and even within her, uh, John leapt for joy, just at being around Jesus' presence. Later on, after Jesus was born, we find this in Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terrified. The shepherds were terrified. Why? Perhaps because their default thinking of being in the presence of God is that of fear, that of terror. But the angel said this. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not only the good people, not only the religious and elite, it's for all the people I have great news, good news that will cause great joy. Not just a little puff of happiness, but great joy. That word great can also be translated as abundant or fierce or expansive. That's the kind of joy that they were about to reveal to these shepherds and this world would begin to taste. Great joy. And Jesus continued to bring about great joy through his human presence, through being God with people, God with them, inspired this abundant, expansive, fierce joy among many. And Jesus continued to bring that through his presence. Consider even Jesus' first miracle. His first miracle wasn't healing the blind, wasn't a large spectacle in front of a, a huge crowd of people waiting for Jesus. Instead, Jesus ushered in his kingdom at a party of all places. And what did he do? Jesus took these huge jars of water that was, were used for ceremonial cleansing, for that religious duty to make yourself right to be able to enter into a party, and Jesus wanted them to be filled to the brim so that he could transform them into wine. When the wine ran out, rather than saying, very well, I think we've all had enough, It's time for us to go. Instead, Jesus kept the party going. Joy was released. Later on, people were frustrated and confused at Jesus and his disciples. They began to question Jesus. How come your disciples are not like others? Others, Other disciples are fasting and praying, but your disciples are doing the opposite. But Jesus was leading a different movement. Um, instead of a frail and skinny Jesus, this was Jesus' reputation. This is Matthew eleven nineteen. He had the reputation like this. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That kind of disrupts our gaunt, frail picture of Jesus, right? Someone who knew how to feast. Furthermore, we find stories of people again and again and again, people who are hopeless, who are struggling to find a way through this world. And through an encounter with Jesus, oftentimes they would leave filled with joy. They would leave rejoicing as they went. Emmanuel, God with us, was this movement of joy. 
This was always Jesus's mission. In John 17, Jesus began to pray over his disciples, and this is what he prayed to his father. He began to pray to his father, I am coming to you now. This is towards the end of his life. Jesus prayed, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they, his friends, may have the full measure of my joy within them. Jesus' goal was not merely to save us from our sins or get us out of some divine punishment. I suggest that's an incorrect view of God. Jesus came to lead us into deep joy, deep abiding joy, even for those who come from a high church. One of the questions that you have is like, what's the chief end of humanity? It's to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Jesus came to lead us into that deep kind of joy. And as we read in verse 13, Jesus came so that we might have the full measure, the full measure, filled to the brim kind of joy, not joy found in this world, but the joy that Jesus has within himself. That is the power of Emmanuel, God with us. This is powerful not only because Jesus enters into our pain and our wounds, but Jesus also invites us into his joy, his full measure of joy. So how do we experience that, right? I'm sure many of us would raise a hand and like would say, I'll take more joy, please. Thank you. I'm in. Especially in the season of Advent, which is this time of longing, it's this time of waiting and expectation. I'm sure many of us come in to this space going, I feel like I'm waiting for joy. I might have snippets of it, but I don't have this deep abiding joy that seems like Jesus is promising. Well, Advent is the season of the not yet. It's the season where we see something and we have this waiting and expectation, anticipation of what will be with Christ. I love the explanation of how we can tap into that, though, because Jesus does meet with us now. Jesus does provide a sense of joy now. And I love the explanation that Jesus gives for us of how we can tap into that in John 15. This is the passage that is the namesake for our church, where we get the name of our church. Jesus talked about the mystery of our faith through this word picture about branches and vines. And like a branch is to a vine, so is our role with Jesus to remain connected to Christ. This is in John 15. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, So I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Or as Eugene Peterson would translate this, make a home in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. So Jesus' goal was to extend the love of God to us, to humanity. And the invitation that Jesus gives us is to remain in God's love, to remain in his love. And if we remain connected to Emmanuel, if we follow in Jesus' example, if we follow in his commands, then Jesus teaches that something will happen. And this is what will happen. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, be full. Some of us might struggle with that idea that Jesus' joy is given to those who obey his commands. It's like this if-then idea, like if we obey Jesus' commands, then God loves us. It has a very conditional feeling to it, does it not? 
Um, so God's love is conditional if I am obedient, if I'm good enough. I don't believe that that's, that's what this is teaching. If that's your thought, I feel you. <laughs> I just would say stay with me for a second because I think it's important to find what are the commands that Jesus is speaking of? What are the commands that allow us to remain in God's love? Well, the command follows in the very next verse, in verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's the command, which for me changes this conversation. The command is not that we have to be a just obedient person, but to be a person of love. To know Jesus' love and to extend it in the world, that is the command of following Jesus. One of the gifts of Emmanuel, God being with us in flesh, is that we can study how Jesus loved and follow his example. Jesus showed us how to receive love from God and to remain in God's love by extending it to other people. That idea of if you keep my commands, you will remain my love is not about proving our worth to God's love. It's not saying, it's not saying that we're now worthy, we're actually can be uh, acceptable in God. But what Jesus is saying is if you remain in my love, if you have learned how to love other people, you will be connected to the very source of life that is fueling me, that's fueling not only me, but also my joy. It's about remaining like a branch to a vine. It's about being in the flow of God's love, making a home in it. And if you have learned how to do that, one of the things that you will find is joy, deep, abiding joy. That my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. When we fail to follow Jesus' example, his, his pattern of how to love, it's not that God loves us any less. It just means that we have disconnected from the source that brings us to life again. It's like a branch disconnected to a vine. It won't produce fruit because it's lost its source of health. But we have Jesus, God in flesh, the most joy-filled person ever to draw breath, wants to teach us this most important thing in life, is to know how to love well. And I know that seems so fuzzy, right? It's so fuzzy of like, what's the most important thing in life? Well, it's to love. But it truly is. Because we see in Jesus' life an example what that could do. What that could do is to know how to love well and in doing so to discover joy. Or in other words, the primary way you will find deep joy is to become a person of love. This is subtly a radical teaching and surprising and challenging in so many ways because this is saying that joy is discovered when we reorient ourselves not around our own desires necessarily, but around learning how to be loved by God and learning how to love others in response to that. And if we do that, we will experience joy. This is radical because uh, so much in our society is, is oriented around pleasure, around us being sold that if we find pleasure, then we'll find the meaning of life. But pleasure and joy parts ways in many ways right here in this conversation because we live in a pleasure-oriented culture. We are encouraged to chase after pleasure, but mostly pleasure is just an experience rooted in self. It's a temporal bump that we get uh, when we chase after <clears throat> some sort of ecstasy found in experience or a moment or an encounter that oftentimes can lead towards selfish, selfishness 
isolation, and pain. It happens so often that way. Joy, on the other hand, is connected to living in alignment with God's intention that usually involves giving out of ourselves to love other people. Or as my favorite barista, Trey, told me this week when he talked about his uh, road to recovery, he said he wakes up every single day with one goal. It's to find out how to be of service to others to be of service to others. There's meaning and joy found on the other side of that that lasts longer than all the pleasures that we might try to seek after. It is good for us to notice that we live in the culture that's oriented around pleasure, that promises joy, and oftentimes leaves us empty. But if Jesus' teaching and his claims are true, then joy is rooted in service and devotion and love. Now, I don't want to shame anyone. I, like I said earlier, I'm an Enneagram 7. I love pleasures and joy. Pleasure is a gift. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a bowl of Bar- Bob Armstrong dip at uh, Matt's El Rancho. Can I get an amen? There's nothing wrong with looking forward to when it's warm enough, you go to Barton Springs, and you get out in the lawn, and you sun dry, and the feeling of being there with all those weirdos. I love it. There's nothing wrong with going... Uh, to, to spend a lot of money, overpriced money, for a punch bowl drink at Tiki Tatsuya that comes with smoke machine and light shows. There's nothing wrong with these things. But if we orient our life around these, these promises of temporal pleasure, they will eat, leave us empty in the end because we were created for more. We were created for more. There's nothing wrong with enjoying all the gifts of life, but they can't sustain our life. As Thomas Merton, he wrote in this book called The Seeds of Contemplation, he wrote this, do not look for rest in any pleasure because you were not created for pleasure. You were created for joy. And if you do not know the difference between pleasure and joy, you have not yet begun to live. I can't say that every day I know the difference between pleasure and joy, but I want Jesus to teach me. I want Jesus to teach me and thankfully God, we know, is Emmanuel, that God is with us. God is with me not merely to save me, but to show me the way to true, deep joy. This Advent, with a candle of joy burning again, it reminds me how we all long for joy. This is good because I think Jesus has a longing as well, and that's to show us the extent of that prayer how deeply he longs that we might be able to experience his joy, the full measure of his joy. I think Jesus would love to blow into this room like a man in elf clothing and wake us all up. I think Jesus would love for this moment to much more be like angels who find shepherds who are just going about their business, who peel back heaven and begin to sing with joy that Jesus is on the way And as they declare to people like me and you that there is good news that will cause great joy for the whole world. That includes you today. Because Jesus is coming. Friends, we live in the echo of that heavenly song. Jesus is also with you. And there's nothing that he wants more in this season than for you to know that his, his presence is with you And wherever he is, there is joy. 
We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.